zero interest rate policy uh, and uh, um, desperation. And, and it's leading to some very irrational behaviour, which we've seen in, for example, shares like GameStop, where for, for sure a lot of those retail investors got badly hurt, didn't they? Yeah, um, and, and an, an event like that usually uh, is enough to perhaps uh, put a big dampener uh, on uh, the risk appetite. Uh, but uh, just the simple um, uh, abundance of liquidity and the commitment from central banks that they're mm. not going to uh, withdraw their stimulus uh, uh, is an indication that we may be a long way away from that uh, taper, uh, sorry, uh, a tapering tantrum that we saw mm. uh, back in 2013. Mm. I think we're still a little bit away. Okay, well, Peter, it's always good to hear your thoughts. Thank you very much indeed. That's Peter Kim, who is Managing Director and Investment Strategist at KB Securities. You're listening to Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. And in the markets in Australia, the SX200 down about 0.1%. The Nikkei 225 in Japan off half a percent. Looks like the Hang Seng is going to open about 0.4% lower. Uh, Brent crude oil trading at $65.83 a barrel. Uh, Gold a touch weaker here in Asian trading this morning at $1,809 an ounce. Just a reminder that it is Budget Week in Hong Kong and here's how we shall be covering it on Radio 3. Financial Secretary Paul Chan will deliver his budget speech tomorrow and Hugh Chiverton and me will be covering it live from 11am with commentary and analysis. And then on Thursday in a special money talk from 8 o'clock we'll be discussing the main points from the budget with a special panel of guests. And then on Friday... Financial Secretary Paul Chan will be joining Hugh and me in the studio for a special phone-in from 8 to 9am on Radio 3. And that'll be your opportunity to put your questions about the budget directly to Paul Chan. So please join us for our budget coverage this week. Stay tuned also for Back Chats with Hugh Chiverton and Ada Wong in just a moment. Let me give you an update on the weather forecast for today. Fine, warm during the day, maximum temperature of around about 26 degrees. And then it's going to become windier and cloudier in the next couple of days. A few rain patches in the latter part of this week. It's 20 degrees right now, 82% relative humidity. 8.32, Samantha Butler has the half-hour news. The number of COVID-19 deaths in the United States has passed half a million. President Biden has ordered flags on federal buildings to be flown at half-mast for five days as a gesture of respect to those who've died. Washington National Cathedral has told its morning bell 500 times, once for every thousand people who've died. Here's the BBC's Peter Bowes. The coronavirus has killed more people in the United States than any other country. The average life expectancy in the US has dropped by a year due to the virus, the biggest decline since the Second World War. The dark milestone of half a million deaths comes as the nation continues to struggle with the disease, with widespread economic hardship and the rollout of a vaccine that's faltered through a shortage of supplies. Britain's Prime Minister Boris Johnson has announced plans to lift all of England's coronavirus lockdown restrictions in a series of five-week stages that he hopes will conclude in mid-June. He told Parliament the measures were cautious, yet a one-way road to freedom. There is therefore no credible route to a zero-Covid Britain or indeed a zero-Covid world. And we cannot persist indefinitely with restrictions that debilitate our economy, our physical and mental well-being and the life chances of our children. 
And that is why it is so crucial that this roadmap should be cautious, but also irreversible. The first easing will see England's schools open and a relaxation of outdoor socialising two weeks from today. Further facilities will then reopen with limited indoor mixing starting no earlier than mid-May. The American Space Agency has released stunning videos of its Perseverance rover landing on Mars. They cover the final moments of last week's dramatic descent to the Red Planet. NASA also captured the Martian wind blowing across the rover's microphone, the first audio recording of sounds on the planet. Here's the BBC's Jonathan Amos. Perseverance was sent to Mars festooned with cameras, seven of which were dedicated to recording the landing. Their imagery represents vital feedback for engineers as they look to improve still further the technologies used to put probes on the surface of the red planet. The different atmosphere and gravity mean you can never test a Mars landing system here on Earth. This is the first time, therefore, that engineers have been able to see what their inventions actually look like. You're listening to the news on RTHK. Good morning and welcome to Back Chat. I'm Hugh Chiverton, your co-host today is Ada Wong. Ada, good morning to you. Good morning, Hugh. And Happy New Year. Today we're talking about patriots ruling Hong Kong and also about that luxury car parade apprehended on Sunday. The head of Beijing's Hong Kong Macau Affairs Office, Xiaobao Long, said yesterday in a speech that Hong Kong's leadership, from the executive to the legislature, the judicial system and statutory bodies, must be composed of staunch patriots and that the election system must be reformed so that people who oppose China and disrupt Hong Kong cannot take up positions of authority. Carrie Lam said the need to change Hong Kong's electoral system is not down to a desire by the authorities to target the pro-democracy camp and not all opposition figures will have to be suppressed. What does this mean for Hong Kong? Will there be electoral reform to limit elections further? Could those changes cover, for example, district councils, the uh, chief executive election committee, functional constituencies, the proportional representation system and constituency boundaries? Let us know your thoughts. You can leave a message on our Facebook page, Bankchat on RTHK Radio 3. You can email us, bankchat at rthk.hk, or call us on 233 8266. That's 233 8266. And after 9.15, as I say, uh, hearing the pros and cons of uh, luxury cars in Hong Kong after that luxury car uh, parade got intercepted by police on Sunday morning. Once again, I email bankchat at rthk.hk. Uh, let's just uh, air a few uh, emails. We've got quite a, a lot of emails uh, already uh, on the subject of uh, patriotism and electoral reform uh, in Hong Kong. Uh, here's, a, here's a taste. Uh, Alan says, it's getting repetitive, but we all know what staunch patriots means. It does not mean people who love Hong Kong and China who want to make our lives better. It simply means people who are reliably subservient to Xi Jinping. Pretext will be found to disqualify, if not arrest, anyone else who dares to stand for office. Herman says, I'm sure we will hear plenty about Xiaobaolong's comments. All I care to contribute is, if the pandemics had not overplayed their hand, would we have reached this situation? Now that the ball is in the other court, let's hope for all our sakes the pro-government side does not overplay its hand. Peter says, as for Beijing declaring patriots must hold key roles in our cities, what did the pan-idiots expect? The pandems were even lobbying other countries to intervene and impose sanctions on China and Hong Kong. With their past actions and inactions, they were basically asking Beijing to spell it out for them. 
Hong Kong and politicians and lawmakers are not above the law. And Matthew says the meaning of certain key words like patriotism, China, Chinese and country, which are heavily used by the CCP and associated patriots, is very different in their minds from the generally accepted definitions. I guess this is already well, quite well understood by most uh, backchat listeners and especially by our new listener cadre. However, the double meaning of these important terms is a key propaganda device by both the party and the self-interest-driven patriotic proxies to manipulate and mislead those who may not be pulling full attention. Uh, as we slip further into this real-life Orwellian, Orwellian abyss and steadily lose access to independent media, free thought and speech, it's always worthwhile remembering the following. In normal use, patriotism means something like devotion to and vigorous support for one's country. However, when we hear the CCP, Hong Kong government, or so-called patriots use this term, we need to replace the normal definition with something like unquestioning loyalty to the Chinese Communist Party and their one-party authoritarian dictatorship over China and Chinese people everywhere. Uh, that's uh, part of an email from Matthew. We're joined now, uh, we're going to be speaking to uh, various guests. Let's start with uh, Jean-Pierre Cabestan, uh, Professor of Political Science at the Baptist University. Professor Cabestan, good morning to you. Good morning. Thank you very much indeed for joining us. A happy New Year to you. Gung hei. Um, so um, what, what do you think we learned from this? Are, are, are we getting a sense of what sort of electoral form? Uh, because there's a lot of speculation and the kind of reports in CGTN, um, academics and so on, discussing really every aspect of of, uh, electoral, of elections in, in Hong Kong. Uh, what sense do you have of what sort of changes yeah. might be in, uh, coming? Well, we, we still don't know the detail of the electoral reform, which is going to be introduced probably uh, next month at the uh, National People's Congress. Uh, but what we know is uh, who are going to be excluded from, from the game, from, from participating in political life now. Uh, to be uh, able to participate in political life, you have to be a patriot. I go to eat. Uh, what does that mean? Uh, well, I think, um, in a way, Siad Barlong has clarified the definition of uh, what is a patriot. But he has excluded a lot of people from, uh, from that community. And that's the issue. It looks like, first of all, there is no difference between uh, between be being anti-China and anti-communist. So, you know, before in the, in the People's Republic, there was a difference be be between being Fan uh, Hua and Fan Gong. Now it's just the same. You have to be uh, supportive of the uh, People's Republic uh, constitution. Uh, you have to be supportive of the CCP leadership, the Communist Party leadership. So you can't criticize the one-party system anymore. So that uh, expands quite a bit, uh, quite a lot, actually, uh, the range of people who are going to be excluded from participating in, in, in elections. Not only, of course, I mean, that's something we knew before, the pro-independence people, uh, the category of people we call the Lanchar, the, you know, burn together, we're going to uh, uh, mutual destruction people, but also... Uh, I'm, a, I'm afraid uh, everyone who is uh, criticize, openly criticizing the one-party system, uh, who would like to co continue to commemorate uh, the um, uh, Tiananmen massacre of '89 in, in Victoria Park and elsewhere, or just people criticizing what's happening, for instance, in Xinjiang today. Uh, so I think that the the, the base uh, is uh, for you know uh, for, for for participating in election and political life in Hong Kong is getting very narrow. So um, even though we don't know the details yet, Professor Kabastan, um, yep. I think there'll be reforms uh, uh, as to who can join the election committee and who yep. can be um, candidates in the forthcoming electoral elections and also district council too, would you say so? 
Yeah, well, as you know, it's it's not uh, specified, but it's clear that um, people who are not uh, patriotic won't be able to participate in electoral election, uh, and also uh, won't be able to uh, force them sit in the government, but also uh, be uh, included in the judicial bodies of the uh, SAR and what what they call the head of important statutory bodies, uh, which presume, and, and there is a Dong Dong in Chinese, which means etc. I think it will include the district uh, councils, clearly. But the, but the question here is what to do with the current district councils. For the time being, I think the, the, the uh, district councils elected in 2019 have been gradually sidelined. Many of their competences and powers and money has been uh, now uh, taken away and, and, and has been now managed by other people, people appointed by the Carrie Lam. Uh, but whether uh, the, the, the current, current um, um, this can, can continue uh, the term until the end of it, I, I don't know. And that's something which uh, I think remains to be seen. Does this amount to uh, Beijing determining who will have all positions of authority in, in Hong Kong? Well, I, I don't think it's uh, going that far. I think the the idea is to keep some kind of election, whether the election will be uh, meaningful or not. I mean, the, the problem is going to exclude quite a number of people. Uh, and everyone who has, uh, I'm afraid, has taken part in the 2019 demonstration, of course, has been arrested. But also many of the pan-democrats who have been, uh, you know, in, involved in, in the 2019 protest movement, I think I'm afraid, uh, uh, won't, be, uh, won't be qualified for running for election, be it at the, in the LegCo or in the district council. So uh, so that's the first step. The second step is I think the district council uh, are going to be excluded. But there's, been, there's been a number of reports about that from the uh, nominating committee uh, in charge of electing the next uh, chief executive. So I think the uh, election committee is going to be, or the nominating committee is going to be uh, reorganized. Uh, we don't know the, the detail, but I think uh, the idea for the Communist Party is to be uh, on the safer side in, and, 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 and to make sure that the uh, only pro-establishment people are going to be elected. Uh, again, why does... Why the need to do this? Because uh, there's also talk, for example, yeah, of the composition of the functional constituencies and the proportional representation system and everything like that. Um, I, I, surely Beijing has uh, has got control of uh, every aspect of the uh, of the elections. Why the need? This further need to to uh, uh, exert direct control in this way. Well. Uh they worried, and uh, and that's uh, yes points to something which is quite interesting in Xia Baolong's uh, um, uh, speech. Is uh, they worried that Hong Kong uh, becomes a base of subversion? Uh, people uh, taking Hong Kong as a base to influence the Chinese mainland Chinese political system are going to be excluded, and 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 they want to make sure that. Uh, Hong Kong is uh, is neutralized in that respect, and uh, and that started with the national security law a year ago. And I think the, the speech is a step in this, you know, which goes in the same direction, which is not to exert uh, totally. Uh, I mean, well, first of all, to exert yes, maybe full jurisdiction over Hong Kong, uh, but to continue to manage Hong Kong through the uh, chief executive and the uh, Hong Kong government. But giving a more 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 say uh, and more oversight to uh, the liaison office and to uh, uh, about the liaison office, of course, uh, Xiaobao Long's office, which is the Hong Kong and Macau Affairs office of so the State Council in Beijing.
Okay, we're also joined now by Ho Lok Sang, a senior research fellow at the Pan Sutong Economic Policy Research Institute at Lingnan University. Professor Ho, good morning to you. Thank you for joining us. Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year. Uh, I can just hear a line dance actually moving around uh, us here at, at, at RTHK. Uh, what do you make of uh, what uh, Xiaobao Long had to say and what sort of changes do you think would be appropriate to the uh, election system systems uh, in Hong Kong? I agree with uh, Professor Kapistein that uh, that uh, Beijing is worried, okay, and Beijing is worried because uh, uh, what happened in the last uh, uh, several years uh, since uh, 2013, <coughs> and especially, of course, uh, last year, uh, those riots and uh, damage, you know, to Hong Kong people's uh, livelihood and uh, business, you know, it's uh, very serious. So. Uh, it has, uh, <clears throat> you know, the developments over the past few years has uh, has uh, reduced uh, Beijing's trust in Hong Kong and uh, in Hong Kong people, and that is why they they want to make sure that uh, things uh, like what happened in the last few years wouldn't happen again. You see, so so. Um, um, it's very unfortunate, you know, because um, uh, in fact, um, as far as I can see, uh, Beijing has been honoring uh, what it has committed, you know, in the joint declaration as well as the basic law. But there are people who want to bypass the basic law and uh, try to introduce what they call civil nomination and so on. And also, of course, there are people who oppose uh, uh, Beijing's one-party rule. And um, that is not acceptable, you know, because under the one country, two systems, you know, they, in Chinese they have been saying that well water and river water shouldn't intervene with one another, right? And um, so that is a uh, basic system. So uh, you have to respect the, uh, um, uh, China's uh, um, political system. And, uh, and as an academic, of course, I... Um, believe that uh, intellectually one can question uh, actually the one-party system. It's not, not, not a problem. But if you question it on ideological grounds and not based on facts and evidence, then it is not uh, appropriate, you know. If you entirely based on ideology and criticize the one-party system when it's actually demonstrated that over the four, last 40 years, uh, China's been doing superbly well, much, much better than the multi-party system uh, that has been going on elsewhere, including India and uh, uh, UK, uh, USA, and so on. So you can criticize the one-party system, but you have to love the country, and you have to be based on scientific facts and logical thinking. So if you criticize the one-party system entirely based on ideological grounds and you want to rock the political system on the mainland, of course, that's not acceptable. And I think that is what uh, Bao Long is, uh, uh, means. You know, you, you need to be patriotic. You need to be concerned about the long term, the overall welfare of, of the Chinese people, uh, uh, including those on the mainland and in Hong Kong, and uh, of course, from, from uh, Beijing's perspective, also people in, 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 in Taiwan, you know, because uh, all of this 
Yes, uh, Mr. Ho, in the last 20 years, um, you know, Hong Kong was allowed to have a sort of opposition. Now you can say that they were... Uh, they were m- moderate, moderate, and sort of semi-loyal opposition. You know, uh, you can say Democratic Party members uh, are actually welcome to have dialogues with the John Lewis yeah, office. You know, for, for a certain time. When, 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 when the uh, pan-democrats, you know, resigned en masse. So, no, so in the future, I um, mean, is Hong Kong allowed to have an opposition, or you know, should the electoral formation? Uh, you of know, course. be just uh, if we only have patriots um, uh, in patriots, that uh, patriots, as I said, uh, uh, mean people who genuinely are concerned about uh, uh, China's uh, uh, long-term welfare. You see, and as I said, even if you criticize but, the one-party system, um, but, 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 but sorry, but some ideological mm, grounds, yeah. and if you criticize. Okay, there's something wrong with it, you know, because uh, uh, it is not working really that well. So, so you're optimistic. Okay, you you're, it, yeah, you you're know? optimistic that the pandemics are allowed to stand. You know, if we have a Lechko election uh, soon or again. Uh, I have no doubt that people who can demonstrate that they are uh, um, interested in China's long-term welfare and scientifically examine what has been happening on the mainland and elsewhere. And then you try to offer constructive uh, suggestions as to how to go forward in a better way. Well, okay? let, let, I mean, let, what about, what about C- can I ask it like CITOA? Would CITOA be allowed uh, to have uh, positions C-T-O-R? in North Korea? Yes. CITOA? Yes. Sitawa has always been regarded as a patriot. I, I know, but nowadays would he, would he would he be still considered as a patriot? Would he still be allowed to stand? I am pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, but his stance on the June 4th, um, the Tiananmen incident. Yeah, yeah, the Tiananmen incident, you, you see, even I myself personally, there are things that I disagree with. You know, the way they uh, Beijing handled it. Uh, and uh, um, I think Beijing should learn the lesson, and uh, and I think Beijing has learned the lesson. And and, and some people say that uh, um, Beijing had waited and waited and waited, you know, for for all the for this long without uh, using any um, the military, you know, to deal with the rioters in the last year. You know, that is because it had learned the lesson. Okay. Well, we're also joined now by Professor uh, uh, John Burns, Emeritus Professor in the Department of Politics and Public Administration at the uh, University of, of Hong Kong. Professor Burns, good morning to you and Happy New Year. Good morning. Thanks for, for, for joining us once again. Uh, what do you think we learned from this speech from uh, Bao Long and, and what are your expectations for uh, uh, electoral reform? How uh, profound do you think that's going to be? Well, I think he laid down some red lines, you know, and it, Uh, let us know a little bit more clearly, but in the language of politics, not in the language of law, um, who were not patriots. If you look through the speech, you can see it goes on and on and on about those people who are not patriots. It doesn't tell us so much about who patriots are. And, you know, generally speaking, I would say a lot of it is very reasonable. Um, but it is in a political language, and political language is used on the mainland to um, prosecute crimes, such as the crime of picking quarrels and 
provoking disputes and all this kind of thing. This is this is political language, and so we have more of that here in this in this speech. I believe there will be uh, a, a huge effort on the part of the Communist Party to re- change the electoral system so that they the outcome will be guaranteed, and that will mean removing um, groups uh, in the election committee, committee, for example, um, that uh, do not meet these criteria. So, yes, I think there will be. uh, The interesting thing is, though, you know, the Communist Party is not in power in Hong Kong in the same way that it is on the mainland. It operates in a different environment here. We have the Internet, the Great Wall. We have we have a different legal system. We have different uh, other institutions that, that are not directly controlled by the party. And so um, it, the speech is interesting because um, it does indicate that elections are important, I mean, otherwise, I mean, otherwise, you could just abolish elections, and we have appointed government, and that would be the end of it. So, you know, the party is facing huge governance challenges here that it does not face on the mainland, and it's trying to use this legal regulatory language to fix things that it it understands are not working the way it thought they should be working in the basic law. So one question this raises for me is, should the party have done this in 1997? I mean, many people in Hong Kong expected that they might have done that rather than waiting for 24 years. And did the Communist Party really understand the basic law? I mean, we're told here that we don't understand it. And if all of these things need to be changed in the basic law so that the party can get the outcome they want, did they understand it? Or, you know, I mean, this <laughs> this is a, a question that we uh, uh, need to consider. Yeah, Professor Cabastan, what, what do you think about that? Because it, it's, uh, it, it's, it's one thing, I mean, if you take away, if you reduce um, uh, democratic access through, you know, the super seats or, or whatever it is, or the district councils, um, participation in the election committee, things like that. If you, if you reduce the amount of democratic participation, then people are going to notice and people are going to feel that, aren't they? Isn't, isn't that the case? Yes, uh, that's, the, that's the, uh, my, my main worry, actually. They're going to be excluded from political life, so they're going to try to express themselves through other means. It means that... Uh, Maybe they're going uh, to use uh, civil disobedience again, or they gonna, uh, even if the price uh, we have to pay is, is much heavier now. So that's my main worry. I mean, uh, the problem with this document, with this speech, is that it, um, you know, it, it's up to the Communist Party to decide who is patriot, who is a patriot, who is not a patriot. And uh, there is no, uh, here there is no way to, uh, uh, you know, oversight that. To, to, um, to, to verify if it's true or not. And the other thing is the, the speech itself tends to demonize any kind of opposition to the Communist Party. You know, there is a sentence which struck my uh, attention, which is people who historically attack the central government. 
uh, it looks like as soon as you criticize the central authorities or the Communist Party, you are a historical critic of the of the regime. So that, that the tone itself is pretty aggressive, and and that really the, the main issue of this document is, and the fact that again, love the country means love the Communist Party and the Constitution, which states even more since 2018. If you've seen the revision introduced by Xi Jinping. Article 1 of the PRC Constitution states that uh, the Constitution is under the leadership of the Communist Party. So, uh, and that brings me to this action plan, which has been um, uh, laid down or suggested by Xiaoparlon, which is to say that in order to prevent chaos, we have to change the electoral system, but we have to encourage that something which has not been mentioned yet, uh, the executive branch and the legislature to build consensus so that goes against the principle, of course, of, division, of uh, separation of power, but it means that there won't be any more, any more checks and balances in the system uh, because it's a misrepresented system in which the legislature will be a bit like a rubber stamp legislature, uh, like in Beijing, even if the environment, as John Burns said, is, is pretty different. So I'm afraid that the uh, representation of the uh, LegCo is going to be uh, questionable because a lot of forces are going to be excluded from it. And, that, and that's rather an issue for the longer-term stability of Hong Kong. Uh, the question which has not been addressed by Xiaobo is why did you have such a protest movement in 2019 and part of 2019 at the time of the Umbrella Movement? What are the root causes of you know, the disagreement between the Hong Kong community, a large segment of the Hong Kong community and the communist regime? the fact that uh, you have a one-party dictatorship in China you, that you cannot criticize. And uh, I think the problem with China is that it has not yet reconciled itself with its history uh, to uh, agree upon uh, a political system which will, which will satisfy everyone in, in, in Greater China. OK. Well, we've got a break for the news now at, at 9 o'clock. Thank you very much indeed to uh, Jean-Pierre Campestan there, uh, a pl professor of political science at the Baptist University. Many thanks to Holok Sang, Senior Research Fellow at the Pan Sutong Economic Policy Research Institute at Lingnan University. Uh, professor Burns will stay with us and we'll continue the discussion after the news at 9. Also going to be talking, as I say, about uh, that luxury car parade. What was it? What was going on on uh, Sunday morning with a couple of uh, uh, drivers? The weather, fine. 20 degrees now. Humidity is at 78%. Trump's Former lawyers talked about those and uh, went to jail in part as a result of those. So that is part of his investigation, but it's also wider than that. Apparently, it's looking into areas of banking and possibly insurance fraud as well. So this could open the way for some significant uh, legal jeopardy for the former president in the coming months. You're listening to the news on RTHK. Welcome back. Back chat this Tuesday morning with Ada Wong and me, Hugh Chiverton. We're talking about patriots uh, ruling Hong Kong uh, on the back of that speech by the head of the uh, Hong Kong and Macau Affairs Office, Xiao uh, Bao Long. Later, we're going to be talking about uh, luxury cars, luxury cars, uh, that parade uh, that happened uh, in Hong Kong, and about uh, uh, racing as well, street racing uh, in Hong Kong. If you've got any thoughts on either of those topics, we want to hear from you. Email backchat at rthk.hk uh, or go to our Facebook page. That's backchat on rthk.hk. 
Radio 3. We're joined now by Professor John Burns, Emeritus Professor in the Department of Politics and Public Administration at the University of, uh, of Hong Kong. Um, OK, quite a, quite a few emails uh, and quite a lot on, on our uh, Facebook page. Uh, quite a few comments by uh, Henry. Um, so uh, I, I, have, I can't read them all out, but I urge you to, to uh, go and, and see what he, uh, he said and you can uh, respond uh, directly there. Um, uh, Henry says, uh, not sure if the annual June the 4th vigil would be allowed anymore and or the uh, organisation would have to voluntarily wind up after Shah's speech. If I were Lee Chuck Yan, I would since what further use for me to hold such a rally. But then what happened to the millions of money they got from attendees? Ha ha, the money's now in the hands of the swindler and one knows the result. Never returned to you. Um... Uh, Henry also says, Shah listed out key requirements for holders of key positions in the SAR. Those who fail to deliver those requirements would face to be kicked out by the CE or central government. Future CE candidates would have to look to Tung, CY, carry for the kind of calibre required. I think given Hong Kong is one country, two systems autonomous region, different from mainland cities like Shanghai, the bar is very high. I say... Uh, if, say, no acceptable and suitable candidate can be found in Hong Kong, would the central government second what second one to Hong Kong to ensure continuity in such hypothetical scenario? Since Hong Kong people governs Hong Kong has been changed to patriot governs Hong Kong, I think in such a scenario, Beijing second someone to Hong Kong would not be a surprise. Uh, uh, TC says on Facebook, I wonder how much the authorities can adjust the system while maintaining the facade of an election. The authorities can gerrymander the districts all they want, but the main issue for Beijing is that most voters in Hong Kong vote non-establishment. The original intent of adopting the largest remainder method in LegCo election is to put the pro-establishment to an advantage. It turns out that the framers created their own misery. Clearly there's no way that Beijing can make a system which gives the pro-establishment a clear advantage while still having something that resembles an election. That's uh, from uh, TC. Mike says, it's called cancel culture. This is when the ruling elite decide for the rest of us how we should speak and what we should hear. The CCP have allowed, been allowed for decades to infiltrate higher education institutions in North America. Communism and socialist ideology and taught are embraced in many universities and those voices are loud and often violent. Conservative speakers are often prevented from attending those institutions by the socialist and early communist left. We are seeing more and more of it worldwide. Um, that is uh, from Mike. Tom says, it's sad to see the post-colonial best of both countries' systems changing, but China can't allow an insurrection to keep brewing in Hong Kong. So it would appear the staunch patriots rule is the plan to readjust our system to keep democracy functioning with some added constraints. If this doesn't work out, I'm sure direct rule, as in the good old colonial days, is coming next. So it turns out teenagers doing things like burning down bank branches of China, the global superpower in 2019, wasn't such a good idea. If some of our highly educated listeners, as well as politicians in the yellow camp, could have given the protest movement some adult supervision in 2019, instead of enabling their folly, things would be different today. That's uh, from uh, Tom. Um, Peter says, The principle of being a patriot is not about narrowing or limiting political participation. What's left out from today's discussion is how we got here. The pandems and anti-China opposition simply tries to subvert and overthrow one country, two systems. You can't expect the central government to idly stand by. There is no Western country who would allow supporters of acts of fascism, intimidation, violence, arson, terrorism and separatism to sit in their parliaments or hold key positions in their executive, judiciary and statutory bodies. Neither does China. Uh, Alan Lung's rant that patriotism lacks objective definitions is laughable at best. One can easily conclude the same about democracy. Uh, 
Frank says, uh, yes, Mr. Ho from Lingnam, that's uh, Ho Lok Sang. I am, I am very patriotic. Love China. It's great people who have littered themselves despite great hardship and moral compass. Thus, this true love leads me to wish China and its people to be delivered from a system devoid of truth and honesty. Listen to Patriots, Jean-Pierre and John. Uh, and uh, Alan says, your guest stating that the one-party system cannot be criticised, that it's achieved so much, so much better than any multi-party democracy. Tell them to read a book not published in Beijing. Cultural Revolution, Great Leap Forward, 50 million starved to death, Tiananmen Massacre. He's absurd. One party works so well in the USSR, in North Korea, in Kampuchea, in the GDR. If the CCP one-party system is so self-evidently wonderful, why are they afraid of free elections? Because they will know they will lose to any educated uh, popularity. Those are some of the uh, all the emails I think we've received uh, on that topic. Uh, Professor Burns, um, is this is this going to work? <laughs> I mean, you know, if you if you change the electoral system uh, in this way, if you tighten it up, if you restrict entry and sort of in increase this kind of control, is this going to have the the effect that uh, do you think that Beijing wants? Well, we have to see about that. Um, I, I think that you know, the Communist Party uh, it believes in elections but only in elections where they know the outcome. And as C.Y. Lone was telling us not so long ago, um, with the election committee composed as it is, and with the people of Hong Kong voting as they have been recently, um, the election outcome may not be clear. I'm not, I don't subscribe to that view, but this was his uh his view. I mean, elections are, should be, a way in which uh, citizens can express their views, express their discontent, can say no, you know. Um, and that's what they did in the district council elections. And so our people are the authorities, including the Hong Kong government, um, taking lessons from this, and perhaps they are not. And this gets back to the question that was asked earlier by Jean-Pierre Cabestin, and that is, what were the root causes of the protest um, in 2019? And these root causes are not being addressed. So, um, Professor Burns, what, what do you think uh, are the major uh, sort of pain points and root causes you know, that led well, to the 2019 movement. Yes, yes, Ada, good morning. Um, uh, I think the major problem is that in 1997, we transitioned to uh, becoming uh, Hong Kong SIR with our colonial system intact. Our colonial economy, our colonial education system, our colonial civil service and our colonial political institutions, and that these devalue citizens' um, uh, participation uh, and disenfranchise citizens to a large extent. So I think these are the issues that need to be addressed. Now, we have, we have heard from various people, Shabalong uh, did mention this, uh, but, uh, you know, other party officials have criticized the 
failure to decolonialize in Hong Kong. To a certain extent, this is um, a consequence of their own myopia. I mean, the Communist Party um, didn't perceive in 1997 that Hong Kong was colonial, and they let all of these inequities, injustices, and um, um, problems fester and continue, and so it blew up in 2019. That's my view, you know, I mean, there. But uh, I recognise that not everyone would agree with it. I mean, yeah. I mean, another thing that people would would certainly add would be um, external influences, uh, you know, and would point to uh, conflict between the US and and China and uh, involvement of uh, secret forces and CIA and so on, funding organisations in Hong Kong, and it was and that that made a, a big difference, and that was a cause of discontent and uh, uh, unrest in Hong Kong. I agree with that. I mean, that is to say, the external environment for the Communist Party has changed. And um, it also, I mean, the party, remember, she, uh, the party itself has changed with the uh, with Xi Jinping uh, becoming the general secretary in, uh, in 20, uh, 2012, and the huge centralizing and repressive forces he unleashed beginning in 2012 on the mainland. So it isn't just here that this is going on. And then, of course, this became, the environment for the party became much more uh, competitive or dark, you could say, with Trump and the, um, you know, these kinds of forces in the United States. So, yes, I think it's a much more challenging environment now externally and um, I agree with Professor Ho, who said, you know, the Communist Party um, uh, could not allow Hong Kong to be exploited by these external forces. So yes, yes, that's absolutely the case. So um, what would happen to the opposition camp in Hong Kong? Uh, would they be sort of wiped out? Uh, some, some are already arrested and some... Uh, would be jailed, and um, what, what about the, the younger folks, let's say in the Democratic Party, who are now um, district councillors, perhaps they're moderate in nature, uh, do you think that they could pass the test of being a patriot? This I'm not sure of. I believe, given what, um, given what we've, we heard yesterday, and also given, let's go back to given what Deng Xiaoping said uh, many years ago about, you know, we can accept people from the left and the right, but the overwhelming majority of people are in the middle. I do not believe that the party's intention is to simply wipe out all opposition, but it certainly narrowed the space for dissent. This is this is what it's done. And so some, you know, I mean, the party distrusts the Hong Kong government and the Hong Kong Civil Service, and it absolutely distrusts AOs determining who is going to be allowed to stand in elections without any instructions from the party itself. So um, I, you know, I believe that there will be space for opposition. There will be space for criticism. Um, even Carrie Lam, you know, a 
loud trumpet for the party in Hong Kong said yesterday, I believe, that, well, you know, I mean, we our intention is not to wipe out all opposition, um, but uh, the, so the implication would be that some oppositional voices will be allowed. But then, you know, this is what we have, the political system that we have in Singapore, where, you know, the PAP even has to designate some people to speak, to oppose the government. I hope we don't go down. We, it doesn't become like that. But surely then the discontent will still be there. And um, yes, if the, yes, yes. Yeah, if the is, legislature is, is not the platform, the case. then it will this, go to the communities. This is absolutely the case. And so the, this, that's why the root causes of the protest are are so utterly important. And the failure of the Hong Kong government and the Communist Party to deal with these in a serious way is it it only leads to fake stability in Hong Kong, which is what we have now. I mean, Carrie Lam looks around and says, oh, look how peaceful it is. Isn't this wonderful? This is fake. This is not real. And so if you think that people are not upset and uh, with, then this is simply wrong. I totally agree with you. And so how the people are going to be able to express this this is what the fight is all about. Okay, well, Professor Burns, thank you very much indeed for joining us. Uh, John Burns, there, emeritus professor, honorary professor in the Department of Politics and Public Administration at the University of Hong Kong. Thank you very much indeed, and to uh, all the uh, emails and uh, Facebook comments uh, as well. Uh, I wanted to turn finally today to uh, that uh, extraordinary sight. Uh, you've all seen the pictures, uh, I'm sure, on uh, Sunday morning of uh, some uh, 50-odd uh, luxury cars, luxury sports cars, uh, being stopped and being uh, ticketed in, in various ways uh, by the police early on uh, Sunday morning. What was what was actually going on there? Are these the uh, boy racers? Uh, where do they get their money from? Um, we're joined uh, now by uh, James Ockenden. He's founder and editor of Transit Jam, Hong Kong's first newspaper dedicated to urban transport, and also by uh, Anson, a professional car racer in Canada and a member of a car club uh, in Hong Kong. Um, Anson, maybe we start with you. Good morning. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Um, well, good morning. Hi. Um, so I, I don't think you're a member of, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, you're not a member of the club that were kind of organising this event on Sunday morning, but perhaps you can, what, what, what were they doing? Who are they? What was going on there on Sunday morning? Well, I believe um, that car club is uh, quite a high-profile car club in Hong Kong uh, with uh, members uh, all owning um, exotic cars. And I believe that they are just um, having a morning drive, taking photos and videos, uh, like they always do. And I don't think they are uh, that much disturbing um, other uh, road users. So, so uh, you think, uh, you know, uh, 45 to 50 cars, is that a normal size uh, for like a Sunday morning drive? Yes. Uh, well, usually not. Um, well, not the groups that I am in will have uh, that uh, large amount of cars going out. Usually, for us, maybe like ten, fifteen, around uh, around that number. And they, we all, well, um, I'm sure most of the car clubs they start really early on Sunday, like uh, six a.m. to uh, seven a.m. They have a drive, and then they have a break.
breakfast and chat about cars and so and whatnot. Do do they race them as well on the streets? Uh, well, no, I don't think so. Hmm. Uh, I I don't think any of them are, are speeding at all. So I I believe that uh, is this crackdown is a bit a bit over. Uh, well, to, in my opinion. Yeah, you mean a bit too much, a bit. Bit yeah, a bit too yeah. much, right. Yeah. Okay, well, here's an email from uh, Mary, uh, a listener, with the subject of Vroom Vroom. Uh, Mary says, Vroom Vroom cars and motorbikes should be banned in cities like Hong Kong, particularly now that so many lower, solid buildings are being replaced with curtain wall towers that amplify and bounce back noise. Not only do they create disturbance with loud bursts of machine gun noise, particularly at traffic lights, the vibrations they create are extremely uncomfortable to the ear. When they idle in front of your home, it's like having a helicopter landing. Uh, folk living on busy streets and close to junctions are constantly jolted by these noisy vehicles. No wonder so many people are stressed out as it's impossible to enjoy an uninterrupted sleep. The majority has to suffer for the selfish enjoyment of the minority, mostly male, triads and playboys. Uh, that's uh, from Mary. Um, Anson, do you want to defend the, the, the drivers? <laughs> well, it's really stereotyping um, the car enthusiasts. And, and it's a growing number of female drivers and car enthusiasts in Hong Kong and all around the world, actually. And to be honest, in Hong Kong is uh, or has the straightest um, laws on, uh, mo on motors, uh, like um, the illegal uh, modification. That is, I think, is the sh uh, strictest. Uh, laws around the world. Mm. Um, many countries or most countries uh, allowed some sort of uh, modifications or tuning to um, to street vehicles to a certain extent, but in Hong Kong it's zero. You can't even change your rims or or put on bolt-ons to uh, to uh, personalize your car. Mm. Sort of. So, so what, what, uh, what's the penalty if um, you are found to have changed your car? Well, they will uh, tow your car to a uh, government uh, inspection center, and then you, uh, you, if found, uh, you have modified your car or, or changed uh, some parts or whatnot, then um, you have you're given a certain. A, amount of time to replace it to, to like a factory or factory parts or stock parts. But then a lot of cars that uh, which are uh, the car has already discontinued it's hard to find those parts again. Okay, there's a, uh, an email from uh, Neil who says, I'm sure, not sure you want to read out the whole thing. Yeah, there, is, there is quite a lot of it, but it's interesting. Uh, Neil says, before Sunday's case, there was a video posted online, SMD Club annual parade video depicting yeah. a group of supercars. I've seen that myself, yeah, driving around Hong Kong, blocking roads for photographic purposes. One could argue they did so without reasonable consideration for other road users. The supercar incident on Sunday may result in the disclosure of a variety of offences. And uh, Neil uh, mentions road racing, uh, furious or wanton driving, careless driving, dangerous driving. Uh, there's a regulation on the regulation of public processions under the public order ordinance. Uh, and he says uh, if there were 45 supercars driving together, 
the Commissioner of Police could, should have been notified. Uh, vehicle processions have been approved in the past with restrictions such as the procession must obey all traffic regulations and depart in groups of five or ten. Driving is enjoyable, says Neil, and if you can afford such a supercar, I think that's great. However, for other people, the road is a place of work or means of transport. The rules of the road are there for everyone's safety and enjoyment. Even processions can take place on the road legally. All drivers should be considerate and aim to make Hong Kong's road safer for everyone. That's from Neil. As I say, we're also joined by James Ockenden from uh, Transit Jam. Good morning to you. Good morning. Hi, I'm very well, thank you. Whose side are you on then? <laughs> well, I'm going to give the police just one out of ten for the operation because, you know, they, they managed to stop all the cars safely without killing anyone, so that's something. But otherwise, I've got to ask, why are they doing this? And it seems to me they're just incapable of prioritising the real problems on the road. Um, I went down to have a look at this convoy. I cycled down there. I went down Jaff Road um, along sort of parallel to Gloucester to get round there. And you see the same problems you see every day, 20 illegally parked cars blocking the pavement, not paying at the government smart meters. So these are problems the police know about, you know, within striking distance of the police headquarters and they're there every day, and yet very little is done about that. And I think the traffic police, they're just overwhelmed by the sheer volume of cars on the road now. So they're just going about these sort of haphazard missions, putting all the resources of Hong Kong Island traffic police into essentially what is a, a noise complaint. Right. Are, are you aware that there are more um, car enthusiasts these days and um, the number of car clubs that uh, have been sort of increasing? Yeah, there's more car clubs, but there's, there's, there's simply way too many cars in Hong Kong. I mean, there's 650,000 private cars registered now. So I think, you know, the problem with supercars isn't really a major issue. I think there's only 350 Lamborghinis in the whole of China and there's about 2,000 Ferraris in, in, uh, in Hong Kong. So, yes, there's road safety issues if they go racing up on uh, Bridespool Road. You know, we saw an accident there recently, a, a fatal crash, actually. Um, but it's, it's not really a problem of, of supercars. It's a problem of just too many cars overwhelming the roads and overwhelming the, the traffic police, who then have very little um, ability, it seems, to prioritise what the problems are and actually get to the, the, the road safety issues. Okay, well, we've got an email from Johnny who says, on the subject of luxury sports cars, my family and I were recently riding our bikes on Sheko Road and were fortunate to avoid being run over by several speeding Ferraris which were evidently involved in an early morning race. I'm told by other cyclists that this is a common sight on this road. Police should set up speed checks there to prevent a fatal accident. That comes from Johnny. James Ockenden? Yeah, I mean, if, if you look at this operation, the Operation Fossington, the, the three-day operation to catch this convoy, you know, they put up two radar speed checks, uh, mobile speed checks on Route 4. But I've got to ask them, why are you only having mobile radar speed checks on Route 4? Why is there not fixed cameras on Route 4 to always catch these, uh, you know, like you have in every other city in the world? So it seems rather backwards that we have to sort of get officers trained to use equipment and then roll out the equipment and then stand there and, and actually use this uh, technology to catch speeding motorists when we could just have cameras that would do the same thing. Okay, well, Chris uh, echoes that earlier comment, says uh, in an email, I, as a cyclist, I encounter these people every weekend. The road to Chaco or Bridespool are like a racetrack on these early mornings. High speed overtaking, quite often near blind corners, see wrecked cars on a frequent basis. More enforcement on the roads required. That's uh, from Chris. And Andrew says, on weekdays, a permit is necessary to drive through Central in a private car. Uh, I'm not sure this also applies on weekends. Uh, when this convoy was stopped by the police? Anson will know. I found this out when I was test driving a sports car for a motoring column in a magazine and was ticketed, not realising a permit was needed in Central. 
Uh, Anson, do you know about that? What sort of permit? Um, no, that that I don't know. But the thing is, um, I used to live in uh, Sandy, and on Sundays, even though I'm uh, just driving out for um, for like breakfast or whatever, I encountered countless of uh, cyclists uh, blocking the roads and uh, like slowing down traffic. Well, I think cyclists using the roads, you mean? Yeah, they, well, they, they, they are, they are um, road users, but then the thing is, they are not liable to, uh, to any, um, well, most of them are not obeying the, the laws or, or whatnot. Well, I think uh, it's, we need to have mutual respect because everyone is, uh, well, eligible for, to use the road. But then the thing is... Um, well, just complaining about the cars, car users is, is, not, is not the way, I don't think. Okay. Uh, our number is 233 We've got a caller. Jeff is on the line. Jeff, good morning. Yeah, good morning. Um, just to say who I am, I've got a, I drive a car and a motorcycle and I defend motorcycles, but I needed to respond on the point about the club. And um, I, I forget his name. He said that, uh, oh, we don't race and that kind of stuff. But... I get a lot of first-hand experience of these guys racing, and I live in Causeway Bay, opposite the Yacht Club. Every Sunday morning, between 6 and 8 a.m., the, those sports cars race regularly down the, um, down the bypass and down the front of um, where we live. And so it's been going on for months, and uh, with this clamp down suddenly on Sunday, we kind of laughed. But it happens all the time, so it's not like it's unknown. So if anyone says they don't know the racing, then either they're ignorant or they're an idiot. And are they these exotic sports cars that are doing it, or are they kind of it's the same cars, hatchbacks? Yeah. And it's the same cars. Well, we're not talking about general, you know, drive on Sunday driver. We're talking about the, the supercars. You see them all the time. Every Sunday morning, they're racing. Mm. And I go out on my bike, and sometimes over near... Um, uh, Marlon Sand, that area, you find them racing. Um, it, but it's a nuisance for us bikers because we, we generally just go out for a nice casual rides and we're passing speed traps all the time because the police are trying to chase them down and find them and catch them in certain areas where they speed. Okay. One more comment. This is from Paul. Thanks Thanks very much indeed for your call, Jeff. Uh, Paul, in an email, says uh, road racing is a growing problem. Stopping supercar parade is a nice picture, but it doesn't address uh, road racing. Thank you very much indeed, uh, one and all. Uh, for your uh, uh, e uh, emails and thank you very much indeed to our guests to uh, Anson, professional car racer in Canada member of a car club uh, here and James Ockenden, founder and editor of uh, Transit Jam Hong Kong's first newspaper dedicated to uh, urban transport very interesting uh, website um, last word uh, going to uh, Matthew uh, who says uh, an on-air response to Holok Sang Holok Sang uh, in the first part of the programme, said that one-party rule has proved more effective than democracy. This is absolute nonsense. In addition to things like the Great Leap Forward and the Cultural Revolution on Alan's list, you might want to add the coronavirus, which originated under CCP rule and has killed 2.5 million people worldwide so far. That is uh, the thoughts of uh, Matthew. We've got a few emails on the question of uh, vaccination, but I think we'll deal with them uh, tomorrow and uh, dedicate more of a programme uh, to that topic. In the meantime, uh, Anson, thank you for... I'm sorry, what's Anson? Ada. Thank you very much indeed for, uh, for uh, joining us uh, this morning, uh, leaving you now with the latest weather information. Uh, it's going to be fine, in a word, warm, uh, with maximum temperature of about 20 f 
six degrees. Uh, the outlook will be windier and cloudier in the next couple of days. A few rain patches in the latter part of the week and visibility will be relatively low in some areas. 21 degrees at the moment. Relative humidity is at 77%. The Financial Secretary will deliver the government's 2021-22 budget on February 24th. The budget speech will be published simultaneously on the website budget.gov.hk. Copies of a highlights leaflet will be available at the Home Affairs Inquiry Centers, selected government office buildings, and other locations that afternoon. An electronic version of the leaflet will also be available. The public are encouraged to access the information online. 932, the news now with Samantha Butler. The government says there's been an enthusiastic response to its coronavirus vaccination scheme. The Secretary for Innovation and Technology, Alfred Sitt, told an RTHK radio programme that around 30,000 people had booked a Sinovac inoculation via a government website that opened at midnight. The number of COVID-19 deaths in the United States has passed half a million. President Biden has ordered flags on federal buildings to be flown at half-mast for five days as a gesture of respect to those who've died. And the American Space Agency has released stunning videos of its Perseverance rover landing on Mars. NASA also captured the Martian wind blowing across the rover's microphone, the first audio recording of sounds on the planet. I'll have more news at 10 o'clock. It's time right now on Radio 3 to say good morning to Phil Whelan and his guests on The Morning Brew. Hello. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Hi. Good morning. And good morning to you too. How are you doing? Excellent. Hello. Hello. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? Good morning. Fine, thank you. Thanks for inviting me to your show. How are you? Good morning. How are you? Good to see you. On your radio and live online, this is The Morning Brew. Good morning. Welcome back. It's Tuesday. I'm Phil Whelan and we're all here until one o'clock. Well, on today's Morning Brew, we're going to welcome RTL France's man in Hong Kong, Philippe Dover, for a one-off at 10.10, because tomorrow's budget day, so he'll be with us today instead. It's going to be the Peter and Hugh show tomorrow morning. Not a lot's known about the inner workings of the Vatican, including the fact that it has its own radio station. Uh, Philippe actually files stories for these guys, and today he's going to be chatting with Marie Dumel from Radio Vatican, who's going to tell us a bit about the station's story. 10.30 plus, it's all things Aussie, including some great down-under tracks. Which are at what? Because that's what we do on a Tuesday. After 11, Dr. Merrin Pierce brings us another mini-nature doco. Today we're talking about jellyfish. With John Terenzini from the Hong Kong Jellyfish Project, this is a citizen science project to record all the sightings in Hong Kong. There are actually lots of different varieties as well. And if you join us on Facebook Live, you can see a few. After 12, we're off to Melbourne to catch up with Maurice Misalowski for some biz futurism. Tomorrow being budget day, we thought we'd talk about the future of money and payment. This is Mihail, and it's called... Cool. 